Change is hard. I don't know if you can identify with that statement. I think we all know that it's true, but think of it this way. Have you ever known someone who's stuck in their ways? You know what I'm talking about, right? That's how my mom used to say it. And, and she would talk about my grandpa that way. She said, oh, he's just stuck in his ways, right? And what she meant by that is he ain't changing, right? You know, time has passed. He, he's not changing. Maybe you know somebody like that. Maybe you're that person, right? Maybe, maybe you're stuck in your ways a little bit. You know who also is stuck in their ways, became that? My mom, right? She became stuck in her ways. In fact, it's a little depressing, but the older I get, the more I realize that I'm beginning to get stuck in my own ways, All right? We, we can find ourselves doing this because change is hard for many people. Every four to eight years, we find our country changing leadership. That's something that we all have to digest. You go through seasons of your life where... Um, Life changes, the people around you change, the world changes at a, at a rapid pace. We all know this is true, right? I don't know if you remember this, but there wasn't, it wasn't too long ago that all of us uh, had to use dial-up internet and uh, log on to our AOL and check our email that way, right? You know, and so that's different now. Change is happening. That's all at our fingertips, right? Fingertips right now, right? Things are in the cloud. Not only that, but we have like cryptocurrency and bitcoins and dogecoins and... NFTs and IOUs and all those type of things, right? Well, IOUs have been around for a little bit longer since I remember playing Monopoly, but change is happening. Change is all around us and it never stops. In fact, Hugh Prather says this, just when I think I've learned the way to live, life changes. Maybe you can identify with this because change happens fast, but many times the older that you get, the change becomes harder. In fact, research has suggested that this can be a little depressing, okay? So just, research has suggested that after the age of 30, your personality is just kind of set, right? There, there's not a whole lot of change that happens within you after the age of 30. And so what that means is that the more that the world changes around you, the harder that it is to adjust, right? You probably can recognize in this in your life a little bit. And so that means we all deal with this on some level. So here's the question that I have for you. How well do you handle change? When something in your life changes, how well do you handle that? That's a question I just want you to ponder just for a minute as we begin our time. Because the truth that we know is that change is inevitable in all of our lives, all throughout life. And I want you to listen to this. Something that we're going to learn is that sometimes that change is divine. Meaning that God has put that into Motion. God has decided it for your life. And what you'll see today is that how we respond to change in our life is important. So over the past six weeks, we've been in this series called A View from the Top. We've been looking at uh, different passages from the book of Numbers. It's about God's uh, people's journey, the Israelites, their journey through the wilderness for the 40 years that they found themselves there. And so we've seen a lot of different cool things happening um, but we've recognized some things. We recognize that God wants to be at the center of their lives. Uh, God has shown them that he wants the people to follow him. They're, they're every step, they're every direction. He wants them to follow them. Uh, but we've also seen that their own actions have prevented them entering into the promised land, right? This great promised land that, we, that we've learned about. This is the reason that they came up out of Egypt to enter into this promised land. But their own decisions, their own actions have prevented that from happening until now. Now we're at the place where it's, it's time. 
The 40 years are about to be up. Moses again is on the edge of this promised land, uh, about to enter, but a big change needs to take place. And Moses has a conversation with the Lord that I think that we can learn several truths from that we're gonna discover today. Our text today is Numbers chapter 27. If you got a Bible, I wanna encourage you to turn to Numbers chapter 27 or open up your phone or your tablet, go into the Bible app. And if you actually click on the little more section, you can find events and then you can just see all the notes and text right there in front of you. You can save it. It's a great resource for you. So as you're turning there, let's just remember that what we're gonna look at today, it, it matters because every single one of us choose how we respond to change in our lives. And so I want you to put yourself a little bit in Moses' shoes as you see him walk through this change and, and how he responds to it. Something that we do every week as we stand, as we read the scriptures. And so if you're willing and you're able, I wanna ask you to stand with us. As we read Numbers chapter 27, it's, a, it's several verses, okay? So we're gonna be here for a little bit, but verses 12 through 23, this is what we read. Then the Lord said to Moses, go up this mountain in the Abarim range and see the land I have given the Israelites. After you have seen it, you too will be gathered to your people as your brother Aaron was. For when the community rebelled at the waters in the desert of Zin, both of you disobeyed my command to honor me as holy before their eyes. These were the waters of Meribah, Kadesh, in the desert of Zin. Moses said to the Lord, may the Lord, the God who gives breath to all living things, appoint someone over this community to go out and to come in before them, one who will lead them out and bring them in, so the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit of leadership and Lay your hand on him. Have him stand before Eliezer the priest and the entire assembly and commission him in their presence. Give him some of your authority so the whole Israelite community will obey him. He is to stand before Eliezer the priest who will obtain decisions for him by inquiring of the Urim before the Lord. At his command, he and the entire community of the Israelites will go out and at his command, they will come in. Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and he had him stand before Eliezer the priest and the whole assembly. Then he laid his hands on him and he commissioned him as the Lord instructed through Moses. All right, thank you guys. You could be seated. We always like to honor God's word by standing and reading of his scripture. This passage of scripture is actually a huge transitional moment for the nation of Israel. What happens here is the transition of leadership from Moses to Joshua Joshua, and with that, ushers in a brand new era of prosperity and growth for the nation. And we can learn from this, especially from Moses' perspective about how we respond to life when it changes. You see, for Moses, everything he's known for the past 40 years has been the leader of these people, right? He, he's seen the plagues. He's seen the water split. He's seen water come out of rocks. He's seen uh, the water... Uh, split in front of them and the people walk through. He's seen food fall from heaven, right? I mean, he's seen some incredible things, but he's also had some ups and downs. But for the past 40 years, he's been their leader and some amazing things have happened. But here, right here in this moment, everything changes for him. Right here, he's handing over the keys to someone younger, someone with less experience, although enough, and not only that, he has to process this in real time. 
And so what do you do when life changes like this? Like all of a sudden, one second, everything changes. I've got some ideas for you today about that. And here's the first one, is that we have to accept what comes from God. Now, the underlying reality of this story is that Moses isn't going into the promised land, right? God made that again abundantly clear to Moses when he says these words in these, the opening words of this passage. He says, see the land I have given the Israelites, and after you have seen it, you too will be gathered to your people. Now, these words right here, gathered to your people, is a very, very polite way of saying you're going to die, right? This is, this is what God is saying to him. And we know this stems back to the incident of Moses and Aaron when they disobeyed God and the consequences were this, that they would not enter the promised land. That was the consequence. And so Aaron, Moses' brother, has already passed away. In fact, in Numbers chapter 20, Aaron uh, went up a mountain just like God had told him to and, quote, was gathered to his people there, okay? Um, and he died on that mountain. And so you got to imagine that Moses was probably a bit nervous to follow this instruction that God has put before him. Hey, go up this mountain because you're going to be gathered to your people. He knows what that means. But Moses, he needed to accept what comes from God. Despite being a pretty much loyal and selfless leader for about 40 years, he has to accept this reality. And that's hard. It's hard for him. But as we looked earlier in this series, God expects more from his leaders, right? He expects more from his leaders, but that doesn't make the change any easier. In fact, Moses, he actually records this interaction with the Lord in, in Deuteronomy as he writes uh, these words. And so he, he says this, at that time, I, I pleaded with the Lord, sovereign Lord, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your strong hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do the deeds and the mighty works you do? Let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, that fine hill country in Lebanon. You see, Moses desperately wanted to see this thing through. He desperately wanted to go, but he had to accept the direction of God. And what we learn is that in the same fashion that God called Moses into the ministry of leadership, he called him out when it was time. And Moses had to accept that. For us, accepting what comes from God when it's not your plan has always been a challenge because we like to have our own plans and our own direction for our life, but sometimes we have to just accept where God is leading us. I wonder if you've ever had a hard time accepting what has come from God. And what I mean by that is what in your life has changed and you've just had a hard time accepting the way that it is? Or, or what, in, what is something that you just feel like wasn't a part of your plan in your life? Like if you were to just envision how the rest of your life was going, but now you're dealing with something that, man, I would not have chosen this for myself, but what is something that, that's not on your plan that you just have a hard time accepting? And, and we gotta recognize this because this is how Moses felt, right? He wanted to enter into the promised land. He wanted to walk in there with his people. He wanted to see this thing through, but the answer was no. I believe that Jesus shows us this truth as well. In fact, the night that Jesus would be betrayed and handed over and put into his secret nighttime trial, he had a conversation with the Father through prayer. And Jesus, of all people, he didn't deserve the type of hate and the persecution 
that he got. He was a perfect person. He never made any mistakes. He looked out for people. He never did anything wrong. But he knew that death was before him at such a young age. And so he says these words. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus, in the same way that we often do, he chose to accept what came from God. That, that was his choice. And what we learn here is that God often has a much bigger picture of what comes into our life than what we do, right? It's this whole idea that we've talked about uh, of an upper story and a lower story. God walks in the upper story. He sees everything. We see the here and the now. Because Jesus accepted what God had put on his plate in this moment, in his cup, he was able to accomplish on the cross the saving of everyone. So God has a view from the top and we just have to accept what comes from him. My wife and I, we've been struggling to get our kids to eat dinner sometimes. I don't know if you parents ever deal with this when your kids are young, but specifically my son, doesn't matter what type of dinner it is. Could be something that every kid likes. Sometimes, most nights, it's an issue, okay? Just to get him to eat. Sounds ridiculous, but this is the life that we live, okay? So there's plenty of nights where, you know, they could throw a fuss about things that kids throw a fuss about. Green beans, you know, vegetables, all this type of stuff. We get that like we could deal with that. But other nights, it's things like mac and cheese and pizza. And we're like, you like those things. Why won't you eat them tonight? And, and, and we just have to deal with it. Do you know what this is like? Do I have any parents out here that know the struggle? I am open to suggestions after service of how to get your kids to eat. Dinner often becomes a battleground of wills and I often lose, okay? My wife is much more stubborn than me. She has no problem making them sit at the dinner table for an hour until they begin to eat. But a couple of weeks ago, here's why I tell you this. A couple of weeks ago, we decided that we're gonna make milkshakes after dinner for our kids. And uh, so we, we told them, hey, we're gonna make milkshakes, you eat your dinner, you get a milkshake. Well, Dawson decided uh, he just wasn't gonna eat, right? And so we began making the milkshakes and we made them and Myself and Shelby and Willow, we all start having a milkshake. And when Dawson realized that he wasn't getting one, <laughs> he lost it, right? He, he lost it. He didn't think that was very fair. But what was happening is that was the consequence. And it was meant to teach him a lesson. And he had to accept it. You ever think that Moses felt like this? Like, all, you mean, you mean to tell me that all these people, they get to go into the promised land? the grumblers, the complainers, like all these people, they get to go in, but I don't. Our hope was that, you know, it, this would be good for Dawson in the long run, that he would just obey and he would eat. But you have got to accept, and Moses had to deal with this, you have to accept both the good and the bad from the Father. And the reason is, is because we believe that there is a reason and a purpose it's very similar to a sentiment that we get from the story of Job. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that story. And if you've been around church for a while, you, you maybe have, maybe you're new. Job is, uh, one of the most fascinating uh, things about Job's story is it's an ancient story. In fact, scholars believe that uh, the story of Job happens uh, sometime after the flood and before we meet Abraham. And so if you flip through back to your Bibles, that's between Genesis chapter 6 and Genesis chapter 12. And so somewhere along there, the story of Job happens. And so this is an ancient story. Job was a righteous man and a lot of trouble started to come into his life. And let's just say that he and his wife didn't see eye to eye on how they should respond to this trouble. And so we read this in Job chapter two. His wife said to him, are you still maintaining your integrity? 
curse God and die. And he replied, you're talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Here's what I want you to see. Whatever change is happening in your life, because we all deal with this, whatever change is happening to you, accept what God has given to you. Don't fight with God. Trust that he has a plan and a purpose. And when you do this in the midst of it, you can find peace that's possible. Uh, You can live more open to how God wants you to respond in the midst of this change and to bring him glory and not be a grumbler. So we've got to accept what comes from God. But what we see next from Moses is pretty significant too. Look with me again at verse 15. Starting in verse 15, Moses, this is his response to God. Moses said to the Lord, May the Lord, the God who gives breath to all living things, appoint someone over this community to go out and to come in before them, one who will lead them out and bring them in, so the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. Moses' words here help us to see this truth, is that you should care about people regardless of what's happening with you. You should care about people regardless of what's happening to you. This is for all of us, and here's what I want you to see. Moses prays for a successor. He asked the Lord for a successor here. I think that we should all concern ourselves with, in our prayers and our actions for the next generation, that religion may flourish. I've devoted a lot of my life to that. I believe that is true. But Moses displayed a deep concern beyond himself. As the spiritual leader of the people, he wasn't just concerned about what was happening to him. He wasn't just concerned about how he would be remembered. He wasn't just concerned about what he was going through. He had a deep concern for the people he was responsible for leading. In fact, it's a tender concern. He said he didn't want them to be like sheep without a shepherd. And as you know, that type of language is also reflected in Jesus. We read this in Matthew chapter 9. It says this, that Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus had compassion on people because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And as you know, a sheep without a shepherd is vulnerable susceptible to danger in his life. In fact, Jesus, what we learn from scripture, Jesus came to be our shepherd. He went to the cross and he died for our sins. In fact, Jesus himself says this about, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And that is exactly what Jesus did. And so church, I'm here to tell you, or maybe just remind you that Jesus Christ has already paid the ultimate price for your sins so you don't have to worry about the trivial things in your life. He's already taken care of your biggest problem, sin. And through his resurrection, all of us have an opportunity to spend eternity with him. That's the gospel. It's why we care for other people regardless of what's going on with us. Because it was the heart an example of Jesus. Moses wanted what was best for his people, and so he asked for someone new while he was still there to be appointed. Can you imagine? 
I mean, he's been the leader for these people for as long as any of them can remember. And what Moses is basically saying is, Lord, if not me anymore, if you're calling me out of this, if not me, then let's appoint someone else. Let me be a part of the solution. Let me be a part of the the things moving forward. It's a selfless attitude. He's not concerned about himself. He's concerned about the people and what what, what is best for them. He's caring about the people, even though he was just delivered some devastating news. And the news was this, Moses, listen, Moses, you're out. You get one little peep of that land flowing with milk and honey, right? Whatever that means, okay? You get one little peep and then that's it. You're done, you're out. And Moses's response is a deep concern for the people of God. And here's why I mentioned this. If you were like me, sometimes, sometimes your problems and your issues can overshadow concern for anyone else. Come on, let's make this about ourselves for a second, okay? This is, I deal with this. I can imagine some of us deal with this. Sometimes in life, I can feel like my th- the things that I'm going through, the things that I feel that I'm experiencing are more important than anyone else's problems or issues. The problem with that is that is never how Jesus lived. Every step that he took on this earth, he was looking at the needs of others above himself. And so we have to move beyond this thinking, this, this me first mentality. Philippians chapter two tells us that we should have the attitude of Christ And so we put others before ourselves because even when your life is changing, you should exhibit care for others. Probably the most important and impactful way this is demonstrated by Jesus is what he did for us on his way out. The very last hours of Jesus's life, he's giving some important instruction to his disciples. These 12 guys that have been with him uh, for for the last three and a half years, his ministry, they've, they've been there for every step. And he's giving them these final words. And what he's basically saying is trying to help them realize that he's leaving. Like he's trying to tell them, I'm going to die. I'm about to die. That's why I'm here. I'm about to die. And when that happens, everything's going to change. And so one of the most shocking statements that Jesus says is in John chapter 16, verse 7. He says, very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Now in my mind, I like to imagine a pause here. This isn't written into the scripture, but I like to imagine Jesus paused here just for a second, right? Because that sentence alone is a jaw dropper. It's for your good that I'm going away. Like Jesus has said some pretty crazy things throughout his ministry, right? He's, he's told these guys to fish when they fished all day and they haven't caught anything. He's told them to throw the net on the other side of the boat and that they'll catch fish, right? He's He's told people um, that, like, I'm going to, you tear this temple down, I'll rebuild it in three days. It's impossible, right? He's told people to drink his blood and eat his flesh. Okay, all these things mean different things than what Jesus actually said, but it can be confusing, right? But I don't think any of them are more confusing than this. It's for your good that I'm going away. Now, I can imagine the disciples are just like, "What? what do you mean? What do you mean it's for our good that you go away? Like, we follow your every step, your, your every word. We, like we've devoted our lives to you. How could it be good that you leave? Because when you leave, things are gonna be worse for us. But then Jesus adds this, it's for your good that I'm going away because unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him 
to you. Jesus, even in his departure, he cared enough for those behind him to leave the gift of the Holy Spirit. And for many of us, we know the Holy Spirit is a game changer. It's the presence of God inside of us. And I think it's such a beautiful representation of what Moses was also asking for. The care for others, even though you have your own thing going on, is the attitude and representation of godly leadership. And this is what we all should aim for. You can do this in your life. I want to make this practical for just a second. How do you do this? How do you care for other people even when you're going through your own things? And so I just came up with two quick ideas that you could jot down and maybe think through on your own. The first one is to be in prayer for others. You'll never exhibit genuine concern and care for other people in your life if you don't also pray for other people. And so this is something that you have to make a habit of yours. Write it on a sticky note. Set yourself a reminder. Make a list of people. Find a way to do this. I don't care what it looks like. But to care for other people has to be something that starts internally. And then it manifests itself on the outside. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't just say, I'm going to care for people. You have to start on the inside. And so begin praying for people. The second one is to know who's looking at you. All of us have people that are looking at us for how to live. Kids look at their parents. Parents look at their parents for how to live in this stage of life. Every single one of us in the family structure or outside have people that we influence for how to live. And so know who you influence and influence them well. Know who's looking at you. So above accepting what God has given you and caring for others, here's how Moses finishes this interaction with God. He decided to listen and to obey what God has for him. And that's what we have to do. Listen and obey what God has for us next. Even when life is changing, we listen and we obey because we trust him. So here's the thing. This whole series, this has been the theme. I don't know if you've been here these past six weeks and have caught on to this, but the idea um, that is that trust is, is an overarching theme through our study in Numbers because it all comes back to this truth. God has the view from the top, not us. He's the one who sees the whole picture, and so we trust him. What he asked Moses to do here was no small task. I, I need you to understand this. He asked him to lay his hands on Joshua in front of everyone and then to give him some of his authority. Those are words that we read over, but that's a, that's a really big deal. He asked Moses to lay his hands on him and then to give Joshua some of his authority. He asked him to transition the leadership in front of everyone and also to be a part of the successful transfer of power. Moses has never seen this happen before. Hope you know this, right? This is, this is a new thing. He's never seen this happen before, but here's the important thing what I need you to recognize. God chose Joshua, not Moses. Moses asked for someone because of his deep concern and care for the people, but God was the one who identified that person. And once he did, Moses listened and he obeyed what God had for him next, which was the transfer of power. Look what it says there in verses 22 and 23. Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and he had him stand before Eliezer the priest in the whole assembly. Then he laid his hands on him and he commissioned him as the Lord instructed through Moses. See, regardless of what 
the things going on around us, the life change that can happen, God expects, hear this, God expects all of us to listen to him and to obey him in the midst of that change and that process. And so we have to ask ourselves, where are we not doing that right now in our lives? This is personal. This is where you have to do some soul searching. Where are you not listening and obeying the Lord in your life right now? We've already seen what God thinks about sin. He hates sin. He will deal with sin. Where do you need to listen and to obey what he has for you, even if it involves change in your life? Because most of us really like comfort. I remember when I was preparing to come on staff here and I was sitting in Pastor Chris's office on my very first visit to the church and, and with him, and this is over eight years ago, and I remember sitting there in his office and I told him, I said, I don't know why I'm here. And I was being truthful. I was very happy at my church where I was at previously. I liked who I worked with. I loved the kids. We planned on being there for a long time, but one day, you know how it is, I got an email from Chris and I decided to entertain it, right? And I decided to respond back. And through that process, God revealed to me what he had for me next. I remember telling the elders at my last church that I was leaving, that I accepted a new position that was gonna come down here. And one of the elders took me out to dinner and he asked me to change my mind. I was confused. I was young. I was trying to decipher what God wanted me to do, what he had for me. I believed it was to come here to be a part of this ministry taking place and, and to lead in a new way. And it was a difficult transition. I'll be honest with you. For the first three or four months, man, I had a lot of questions. It was, it was hard. It, it was just hard. But looking back on it, almost like a view from the top, looking back on it, I'm so glad that I was obedient to what God had for me. I was so glad, I'm so glad that I was obedient to the Spirit's direction for my life and my ministry. And here's why I need you to understand. Sometimes in your life, sometimes you will find yourself in places where you need to be obedient to God and what he has for you next, and it won't be easy. It won't. But you have to be obedient. It may not be how you planned it, Maybe a difficult change. I think for Moses, I mean, I'm sure that was not easy to relinquish the view of the promised land, not just relinquish the view of the promised land, but also relinquish the leadership of the people. But it's what God had called him to do. Maybe he's calling you to something difficult. Maybe he's calling you to something hard, something uh, that you haven't thought of. Maybe he's calling you out of your comfort zone. In fact, I can almost guarantee he probably is at some point. He'll call you out of your comfort zone and into something new. Maybe he's calling you to some type of change in your life, and you need to be obedient to the Spirit's leading in your life. All of us, to be mature Christians, need to be obedient to the Spirit's guiding in our life. And I don't know who needs to hear this today. We know that change is hard, but obedience is always worth it. We have to believe this is true. God will call us, God will call us to move from where we are to something else but we believe that he is preparing us along the way and so we make the most of wherever we find ourselves. You know, I like to think that Moses learned his lesson. I think after his 
issues at Kadesh where he and Aaron didn't obey God exactly. These were the consequences. They weren't gonna enter into the promised land. I like to think that he just learned in that moment <laughs> from now on, I'm just gonna trust God, okay? I'm just gonna trust him and do what he says. And so when he says, Moses, you're out, uh, take Joshua, lay your hands on him, give him all the power. He's like, okay, I'll just do it, <laughs> right? Like, I think he learned his lesson. And I think the sooner that we can do that, the better off we'll be. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do as we wrap this up. I want you to trust with action. We could talk about trust as a feeling, but I want you to trust with your action. I want you to consider today, what does he have for you next in your life? What is the spirit leading? I'm not saying it's some, some big type of change, but maybe God is leading you somewhere. And if we don't trust God when life changes, you'll find yourself like the Israelites, grumbling, complaining, disobedient, looking to go back and be slaves to wherever you were before, what was common. We have to have this view from the top. And so what, if, what is the view from the top? When life changes, trust that God, is not, God knows what he's doing and do what he has in front of you. It's really that simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. When your life changes, trust that God knows what he's doing and then do what he has in front of you. I think if we all did this, if we all did this, I think our church would be different. I really do. I, I really think that our church will be different. I think you begin to see people stepping out of their comfort zones and embrace what God has put before them, believing that he knows what he's doing. I, I think that you'd see more people like Logan Sheely. Logan, over this past summer, raised over $10,000 for a young lady who was going through cancer. Didn't know her personally, but heard of a need and just decided to, to help through a tournament that he raised. And oh, by the way, he's a senior in high school. I think that you would see more people like Ben Nickerson, who when he was a senior in high school, raised over $22,000 for the Haskins family, who had a loss of a child in a car accident, felt compassion for them, decided that he wanted to do something. And so he just decided to ask every basketball player in the state of Indiana just to give a dollar, sound familiar? And through that, raised $22,000 for this family. Didn't know what was gonna happen. He just decided to be obedient and trust what God had put on his heart. I think you'd see a lot of new folks around here. I think you'd see people who are here because someone embraced a position of spiritual influence in their life. But I also think you'd see people leaving the church. I do. I think you'd see people like Chris and Becky Summerlot who felt a call on their heart and accepted the change that God had put before them and they packed up their stuff and they moved to be missionaries with Casas Per Cristo and work in Mexico. And now Chris, who by his own words, uh, is not eloquent with words, okay? He'll say that himself. Moses said the same thing, by the way, okay? But now every week through his ministry of building a house for families in need, he gets to see people give their life to Jesus. This is what it looks like when you accept the change that comes into your life and into your heart, and then you believe and you trust that God knows what he's doing, and then you become obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. I think you'd see these types of stories more when we trust God and do what he prompts us to do. You can have a story like this, one that's worth telling. When you accept how life is changing, 
when you accept how life is changing, you can choose to either care about yourself and what you're going through, or you can care about others. And you can choose to trust yourself or to trust God and be obedient to him. I like to hope that we are the type of people that trust God, believe that he knows what he's doing and become obedient to the leadings of the Holy Spirit in our life. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful for Jesus and all that he has done for us. I am so thankful for the love of Christ. And I'm so thankful for the gift of the Holy Spirit that is available to each and every person who follows you. It is a, it is a game changer. It is life changing. That is the presence of you living inside of us. And I truly believe, Lord, that your spirit gives all of us the ability to turn away from sin and to follow after you. And so I'm just simply praying, God, in this moment that you compel some of us, some of us in the space, some of us watching through a screen to be obedient to what you have for us and to make a difference in this world because I believe that you want that for all of us. All of us can be world changers if we follow after the plan that you have for us. Lord, help us to be obedient tonight. And whatever change is happening in our lives, whatever, whatever circumstance we find ourselves, whatever thing that's going on in our world that we say, this is how I, I haven't planned it, but maybe we just fall back, stop grumbling, trust you, do what you have in front of us and see the fruit that comes from it. Lord, put that in our hearts. Rise a few people up in this space to do that, to do that very thing and to see the world around them change. God, make this place different because of believers who trust you. We love you. I'm so thankful for Jesus. I pray all these things in his name. Amen. I wanna invite you to stand with us as we sing one more song to close our time of worship.